This morning, I'm going to share with you on the topic of growing in the fear of the Lord. Growing in the fear of the Lord. That might seem like a scary topic. Only if you don't truly understand the fear of God. The fear of God really has, the fear itself has a couple of categories. There's beneficial fear, and then there's fear that is damaging. The two categories of fear can include healthy or unhealthy fear. Just ask a fireman or ask someone in the military about whether or not fear is good or bad. And they'll probably tell you, well, it could be either. The question is, is it your friend or is it your foe? We often talk and teach against fear. But there is one specific kind of fear that is a healthy, desirable kind of fear. And it is called the fear of God. The fear of God is not something to push away from, but is actually something to grow in. And so this morning I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. I think Deuteronomy says it well when God speaks to us and the Lord exclaims this. This is the Lord speaking to us. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined for me and keep my commandments always. Our, oh, that their hearts would be inclined. I, I, I forgot the key word. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commandments always. God says it very clearly. He desires his people to fear him. A couple of key scriptures that we'll just use as cornerstone scriptures to, to launch into this this morning. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, describing the early church. Listen to what it said. It says that they grew, how? Walking in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's a beautiful balance, isn't it? Walking in the fear of God on one hand, counterbalanced by what? The comfort of the Holy Spirit. By the way, people who just emphasize the fear of God without the comfort of the Holy Spirit are usually out of balance. All right. So it's balancing out the fear of God with the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But that was the characteristic of this early church, a successful, growing, healthy church. How did they grow? They grew by having the fear of God on one hand and, of course, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs declares, chapter 14, verse 27. I love this verse. The fear of the Lord is a what? A life-giving fountain. Hallelujah. Life-giving, did you hear that? Not depressing, not discouraging, not negative, but the fear of God is what? A life-giving fountain. Many Christians that I talk to have never ever discovered this facet of the walk. They've never really developed a healthy fear of the Lord. It is a life-giving fountain. The psalmist says in chapter 147 and verse 11, the Lord delights... In those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. Praise God. This morning we're going to focus on three areas. Three specific areas of the fear of the Lord. Number one, we're going to talk about recognizing the fear of God. Number two, we're going to talk about reasons for the fear of God. And finally, number three, we're going to talk about the results of fearing the Lord. Are you ready? Ready for these? We encourage note-taking, by the way, here. All right, number one, recognizing the fear of the Lord. What I'm talking about is simply knowing what it is. The fear of God has been grossly misunderstood by many, both Christian and non-Christian alike. The fear of God is touted by some, even of other religions and faiths, in a totally wrong way. 
The fear of God is something that we need a good understanding of really what we mean. A good definition of the fear of God is simply this. It is a profound sense of awe towards God. It is a profound sense of awe towards God. Just to make it a little bit easier, because the word awe is not one you use every week, right? Maybe some of you use, how many of you used the word awe last week? Just check. Uh, all right, no, no, I thought most of us don't use the word awe very often. Uh, we might use awful. But anyway, we don't use awe very much. But awe, what does it mean? I thought I might just help you by giving this little formula here. Awe simply means respect plus admiration plus a strong dose of amazement. Think about that with me. Awe is simply respect plus admiration plus amazement and all of that in a profound sense and that would be the fear of God. I end up helping a lot of pastors and ministers and ministry leaders with burnout issues. Did y'all know that people burn out from time to time? Christians can burn out um, many times, walk away from God, never serve him again. Unfortunately, many ministers and pastors burn out. And so I end up being involved in helping a lot of people burn out because I've been there, done it. And uh, I found one thing very interesting years ago when I was studying on the subject of burnout. And it said this, one of the earliest signs of burnout is when you lose a sense of the awe of God. I thought, wow, I've been there. Anybody else been there before? When you start losing, you start drifting away from a sense of awe of God. Sometimes we can treat God as much as we want you to understand that intimacy is an objective, right? We want to be intimate with the Father. Know the Father's love and embrace an unconditional love. But sometimes people can drift too far towards that side and they lose a respectful fear of God. The fear of God is not something to be fearful of. The fear of God is something that is healthy. I heard one friend define it this way. He said, the fear of God is an awesome respect or reverence that grows out of an understanding of the greatness and power of God. To say we fear God does not mean that we're afraid of him. Did you know that even Martin Luther, before his genuine conversion as a believer, he was a religious man, but he wasn't a believer yet. Even Martin Luther was so afraid in a negative way, so afraid of God and God's presence, that he was petrified. You see, Luther had a distorted view of God. He didn't understand God the way that he needed to. And the result was he could only envision God as a wrathful judge, an ogre. Someone was ready to slap his hand. And then he had a revelation of the unconditional love and the grace of God. And the result is Luther began to see God, the Father, as a merciful, loving Father as well. Many times, non-Christians exemplify the lack of any kind of godly fear. Many times, non-Christians and even Christians who've walked away from the Lord walk with this attitude of, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter where I go. I mean, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I have freedom, I have this and that. And they don't hold closely to a fear of God. The fear of God is something that we all 
need to understand. Maybe no one has captured the character of God better than C.S. Lewis. Many of you, most of you would be familiar with Lewis and particularly his Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, you may say, well, I didn't read the books, but I saw the movie, right? Um, it actually is a series of seven fantasy novels in which he portrays the Lord Jesus Christ as what? As a lion, Aslan. And by the way, John does the same. If you haven't read that book, he does the same in Revelation. Just a clue there, all right? He does the same in chapter 5 of Revelation. The lion, as a figure, represents typically what we think of as what? Fierce and powerful. But in the Chronicles of Narnia, we see this lion that represents Jesus as tender. His splendor was dazzling. His wrath was terrible. And yet his love and tenderness are infinite. To be in the presence of Aslan was simply awesome. Let me describe it using the words of C.S. Lewis. As the lion passed by, they were terribly afraid he would turn and look at them. Yet in some queer way, they wished he would. Naturally, one would be nervous meeting a lion. The question was asked to one who knew this lion well. Is he safe? I find the answer both wise and startling. Safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course, he isn't safe. But he's good. He's good. I tell you, he's the king. I think that so appropriately sets the balance, the counterpoints of knowing God's true character, isn't it? Well, we've talked about recognizing the fear of God, and hopefully you recognize it for what it is. I'm going to have to move through these points very quickly. I probably overloaded my content this morning, but would you walk with me through some reasons, very biblically based, some reasons for fearing God. Are you ready for these? All right, here we go. Number one, first reason is because it's a command. That's a good place to start, right? I mean, if God commands something, we don't really need to go any farther, right? We don't have to look at personal benefits or consumeristic uh, look at it. We can simply stop there. If God said so, that's fine. And what does he tell us? Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods, little g, which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Notice the combination of fearing God and serving God. I know people who, quote, serve God, but they really don't have the fear of God with it. 1 Peter 2.17 says, very simple. Peter kind of gets to the point. He says, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. That's Peter. But right in the smack of those directives is what? Fear God. He didn't say, pray about it. He didn't say, see if you feel led, did he? It's a command, isn't it? Very direct, fear God. And then Ecclesiastes 12, 13, I'll add this one. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. That pretty well settles it, doesn't it? Why should we fear the Lord? Number one, because it's a command. Number two, because it pleases him. 
Now, the New Testament tells us, seek to know what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord and just do that. A lot of people say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to walk with God. I, I don't t- how do I know the will of God? Listen, the will of God for you, just find out what pleases him. If you can discover what pleases him and just start doing those things, you'll be well on the journey. It pleases God. To repeat again, an introductory scripture, Psalm 147 and verse 11, the Lord does what? He delights. You hear that? The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Praise God. Why should we fear the Lord? Because it pleases the Father, puts a smile on God's face when we have this profound sense of awe, respect, admiration, and amazement towards him. The third reason that I suggest that you consider upgrading your fear of God is because of his character and nature. Because of God's nature. Let me just read before I expand on his nature from Job 37, verse 22 and t- through 24. Listen to this. Job says, out of the north, he comes in golden splendor. God comes in awesome majesty. The Almighty is beyond our reach, and he's exalted in power, in his justice, and his great righteousness. He does not oppress. Therefore, listen, therefore, people fear him. Why do people fear him? Because they know who he is. When you figure out the nature and the character of God, you, my friend, will be prompted to have the right awe, respect, and reverence of God. It's not a religious thing. It is an appropriate response to knowing the character and the nature of God. What is his nature? He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. Can someone say amen? He's awesome. He's holy. He's wise. He's just. He's love. We could go on and on with the nature and the characteristics of God. But more that you know about who he is in his nature, my friend, you must respond by fearing him. You can't treat him as just Santa Claus. You can't treat him as just a a father who spoils his little children. But you must treat him with an attitude that says, I revere, I respect, I admire, and I'm amazed at this God who loves me so much. Because of his nature and his character, number four. Fourth reason, because of the example that Jesus Christ gives to us. You may have never thought of this. Did you know that Jesus, yes, he was the son of God, but in his role as son of man on earth, being both divine and human simultaneously, not diminishing either one, while Jesus walked the earth, he feared Father God in the right way. Look at this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 11. By the way, we call this kind of a Scripture uh, a messianic promise. Um, Those of you who were listening to some messages we taught in the Christmas season, we talked about the fulfillment, Christ being the fulfillment of certain messianic predictions. This is one. Listen to what it says. A shoot, by the way, about 700 years, this is being prophesied, before Jesus shows up. Is anybody amazed? Okay. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Right? David's father. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, what? A branch. Everybody say a branch. Notice that it's capitalized. 
A branch is who? Who is the branch? Jesus Christ. Messiah is the branch. A branch will bear fruit coming out of that root. And this is what it describes about the branch. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, might. The spirit of the knowledge. Look at there. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Now, there's probably a lot of descriptions of the life of Jesus you, you could probably give me, but likely many of us would not list the fear of the Father God as a part of that. In the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and look at this, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. In other words, even the Messiah was delighting in his walk in awe, always constant awe of his Father. Isn't that cool? Why? Why should we fear the Lord? Here's another good reason. Because of Christ's example. Let me give you a fifth one. The last reason. Because it's a foundation for living. It is a foundation for life. Proverbs, there's a couple of scriptures that speak to the same thing. I just provided two. Psalm chapter 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then Proverbs follows up and adds this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools will despise wisdom and instruction. Now, knowledge, wisdom. Wouldn't you agree that those are pretty key components to life? Knowledge is... Obviously, having certain things that we know cognitively and at a heart level. But wisdom is the ability to practically apply our knowledge. I know people who are genius, but they don't have any wisdom. Y'all ever met anybody like that? They have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have much wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to practically apply knowledge in the right way. We need both. It's not a choice. We need both, right? We need knowledge, and we also need wisdom. How do we get knowledge and wisdom? Notice that it begins with an attitude, a heart attitude. Having, it's not just a matter of take as many courses as you can online, and, and please make sure you have enough degrees behind your name, and then maybe you'll get to the point you'll have sufficient knowledge. And, and by the way, I've known a lot of PhDs that don't have any wisdom. So it's not just that. But you need knowledge, but you also need what? Wisdom. So if we want knowledge and wisdom, how do we begin? With the right heart attitude, which says what? I have this profound reverence and awe, respect for who he is and the fact that, yes, he is a God that will judge. He is a God that's going to have a payday someday. He is a God. You may not like the idea, but those that do not accept Christ and have a born-again experience will not see God eternally in heaven. So we must have this healthy sense of who he is. That becomes the, the starting point, the, the, the launch into growing in knowledge, growing in wisdom. People who try to develop knowledge and wisdom apart from the fear of God are out of whack and out of sync. It's a foundation for life. It's an important component. The next obvious point that we should deal with is not only recognizing what the fear of God is, not only 
listing some reasons for the fear of God. But finally, if we do fear God, what can we expect? What would be the, the results of fearing God? Let me just give you three. All right, three. Number one is a correct conduct. If we fear God, have that right heart and attitude towards God, we're going to see a change in the way we live. It's inevitable. Let me read the scripture. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. I love this verse. And this is out of the uh, English Standard Version. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. How many of y'all know we have some cleaning up to do? Anybody here? Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Another translation says flesh and spirit bringing, what's this? Bringing holiness, holy living. I know churches today don't want to talk about holiness. Bringing holiness to what? Completion. How? In the fear of God. Do you see that? Bringing holiness, in other words, this growth towards becoming more and more like Jesus, acting more and more like him, happens how? As we grow in the fear of the Lord. Sanctification, discipleship, spiritual formation only happen appropriately with the fear of God as a root attitude. But once we start fearing God the right way, and I hope that during these next 21 days particularly, you'll develop a greater fear of God as you go through this consecration period. But if we will develop a greater fear of God, you know what it's going to do? It's going to change the way some of us talk. It's going to change the way some of us live. It will likely change business judgments that you make. It will affect a greater level of integrity and ethics in the way you handle business, the way you lead your organization, the way you walk with your children and your families. How many would agree that that happens? It should. And if it's not, you might just want to take a second look at what's going on in your life. Correct conduct is the result of a, it happens on the inside out. If you try to just live right, conduct yourself godly, and you don't do it from the inside out, if you do it from the outside in, you become legalistic, religious, and I frankly don't enjoy being around people like that. But if you'll let the fear of God be the life-giving what? Fountain! Let that life-giving fountain develop in you a holy life. Praise God. Correct conduct. Number two. The result of the fear of God properly developed in one's life will be captivating worship. I said captivating worship. Look with me, please, at Hebrews 12. Verses 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. How many of y'all glad that the kingdom of God cannot be shaken? There's a lot of weird stuff going on in the world today. There's a lot of weird stuff happening. And we need God's help. But I rejoice over the fact that although the kingdoms of the earth are shaking and trembling, there is a kingdom that can never be shaken, and that is the kingdom of God. And notice that he, Hebrew writer says what? We have received that kingdom. If you're a believer, 
born again, have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have received that rule, that kingdom, that jurisdiction on the inside of you. Wow. It cannot be shaken. Thus, listen, and thus, therefore, let us what? Offer to God acceptable worship. How? With reverence and awe. Because God is a consuming fire. Do you see that? So it's saying, it's admonishing us to worship totally wrapped up in a life and an expression of praise and worship but underneath it it, ha- it it clarifies this is done how how does it being done it's being done because of this fear of god reverence and awe reverence and awe because god is a consuming fire he is a grace-based loving father but he's also a consuming The third and final result is countless blessings. (laughs) Countless, I said. Countless blessings. Psalm 31, verse 19, the psalmist declares, Oh, how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you. You see that? You stored up goodness for who? Those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Wow, the psalmist is just going off. All right? He's just blown up with the realization of the countless blessings of God. You also know the scripture that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget what? And don't forget his benefits. Listen to me. As Christians, as believers in Christ, we need to know and realize and revel and appreciate and grow in the knowledge of the benefits and the blessings that we have in God. We are blessed in the Lord. Ephesians 1.3, blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Praise God. That's our identity to know who we are in Christ. Countless, listen, if you'll just start growing in the fear of God, I don't want you to like, okay, I've got to switch some gear and all of a sudden I've got to act weird and start acting like, no, no, no. Listen, the true fear of God won't drop your head. It'll lift it higher. The true fear of God isn't going to diminish how many blessings you get to walk in. It will actually increase them. But it is something we need to pay special attention to. Those who fear the Lord. In conclusion this morning, the fear of God is the fear that removes all others. Remember we talked about two categories of fears? Friend or foe? Healthy, unhealthy? You might say, I have a bunch of fears but that don't have anything to do with the fear of God. If you'll develop a greater fear of God, it will banish the other fears. So I want to pray with you this morning. And I want to pray with you about growing in the fear of God. So may I just invite you to stand to your feet with me for a moment as we close. And here's what I want to say in closing. We'll, we'll pray. I'm going to ask that our prayer altar ministry workers teams would just come forward and take their places. Listen very carefully, please. Here's the challenge. There's a separation that exists between God and man. It's called sin. And only a heartfelt faith in Jesus Christ can bridge that gap. 
That separation between God and man has to be bridged by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before you can develop, grow in the fear of God, there's an important starting launch point. And that is to ensure you have the right relationship with God. If you're here this morning, maybe you're questioning whether or not you have that heartfelt faith in Christ. Maybe you've had a religious background. Maybe you have just lived like you want to live. But I want to invite you today to clarify and cement your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you in just a second. That relationship will bridge the sin gap and make you a new person. There may be some in the room who have frankly just drifted away. It happens. You've, maybe you've put on a good show, but the truth is you've drifted away. This morning, I would invite you, recommit yourself to that level of surrender we sang about. Recommit yourself to a walk in the fear of God. And hopefully, a fear of God will actually motivate you towards the Lord, not away from Him, but towards Him. So I want to pray with you. If everything is cool with you spiritually, great. Just grow in the fear of the Lord. Great. Just keep growing in the fear of the Lord. But if you need prayer for one of these things, would you just bow your heads for a moment, please? I'm not even going to ask that you would raise your hand, but what I am going to do is if you respond in prayer to one of these areas, you're praying with me, and it's really from the heart. I really don't want you to leave without telling someone, and that's why I've posted a couple of prayer teams here at the, at the front so that you can simply come to them and you can tell them what decision you've made for Christ today or maybe you made the, a, a re-consecration, rededication of your life to the Lord. You can tell them about Let them pray with you. They're also available for any needs that you may have. We believe that Jesus still heals the sick. We believe that miracles should be the norm, not the exception. So if you have a need in your life and you just want prayer, these teams are prepared and equipped and trained to pray with you a prayer of faith. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that. With your heads bowed, hearts bowed, I'm going to pray. And just agree with this prayer in your own heart. If it's something that you feel that you need to do today. Father God, today I come to you admitting and confessing that I'm a sinner. Today I confess my sin and I turn my faith to Jesus. Please forgive my sins. As I accept Jesus Christ as the Savior, the Lord, the Master of my life, come take control. Wipe out my past and my sins. And I choose to take this new start and run this race for you. Today, I make that decision that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. Father, I'm someone who's drifted away from you. But today, even thinking and reflecting and hearing your word about a proper fear and awe of you has drawn me closer. So today I'm making a decision to surrender, to step up my level of consecration, surrender. And I've been running. I've been doing my own thing. But today I make a decision to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. Thank you for receiving me and forgiving me and 
pouring your love and your grace upon me. Thank you so much for that. And give me the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.